KTPS First Alert Forecast brought to you by Navant Employee Benefits at Work. Today, we got a mostly cloudy forecast, breezy with gusty winds, high of 66. Tonight, mostly cloudy, low of 37. Friday, to kick off your weekend, we're mostly cloudy, high of 49. Saturday, mostly sunny, high of 57. And then New Year's Day, mostly sunny, high of 61. And then Monday, to start off your work week, cloudy, chance of showers, high of 61. Back to you, Darren. Yeah, and that's the kind of winter weather I like right there. Just, you know, you had your white Christmas. I hope all you snow people are happy because it would just tickle me to death if we were done for the rest of the year. I know that's not going to happen. And uh, we'll have a massive ice storm, I'm sure, in March or something like that. But I'm I like this much better. I hate the cold with a passion, and uh, I'm, I'm glad it's better. All right, so um, <clears throat> we talked about representative theory in the first hour, and I know it's a little it's it's a little it's a little geeky, and I understand, but it's important to get it so that you recognize why your legislator does what he does or she does, um, and maybe why they don't. Uh, Frankly, there are a lot of people who hold office that probably shouldn't, and there are a lot of people who've held office for a long time that definitely should not have. But uh, because the voters don't understand or don't take the time to understand what's going on and why, well, they just keep reelecting the same goobers, and then, you know, we get the same bad results over and over again. Um, however, there are some things that we need to be focused on here in the state of Missouri, and uh, there are some policies that I would like to see get enacted. Now, I'm but one vo- voice on the floor and a freshman at that. The attitude of some individuals in the House is that freshmen just need to sit down and shut up. I've never done that very well. You can ask my mother. Uh, my mom's famous saying is you spend two years uh, getting to, trying to get a kid to walk and talk and the rest of their lives to sit down and shut up. And I've just never been very good at that. And frankly, I wasn't elected to sit down and shut up. So there are some policies that I think we need to embrace, and uh, some of them are not entirely popular with certain segments of the population. Here's one. This is what got got me called a Nazi and a bigot and uh, a liar and had my intelligence question and everything under the sun. And I get it. There are some people who don't like this, and you may not. But hear me out. I believe that every child should have the best opportunity to have access to a good education in the state of Missouri. It's not just because of that kid, although that kid's life is important, but it's not just that. That child and all the children in school, they represent the next generation of employers, of employees, of investors, entrepreneurs, of doctors and lawyers and and academics. They are the next generation that will be the workforce for this state and this country writ large. And it is imperative that they have the best access to education possible. And just because a child is born and lives in a zip code that dictates they should have to go to this school, if that school is failing, that kid shouldn't be trapped there because of their zip code. 
And we say, well, we just need to make the schools better. Well, we've been trying to do that for about 100 years. And the answer has consistently been, what if we just throw more money at the problem? And how's that worked? I mean, it just it hasn't worked. And I know the statistics about Missouri being at the bottom of the list for, for teacher pay and for, for funding for students and everything. I'm going to talk about all of that. So please, you know, hold your horses. I'm going to get there. But the idea that all we have to do is throw more money at it and everything will be fine, that's not true anywhere in the country. Forget about Missouri. That's not true anywhere in the country. So maybe, just maybe, when you find yourself in the hole, the first thing you ought to do is lay the shovel down. Quit digging the same hole. So the question then becomes, if a child, if we believe, as, I, as do I, that a child should not be trapped in a bad school or in a bad district simply because of their zip code, then how do we overcome that? And I believe that school choice is an issue that most parents would agree with having available to them. Here's what I mean by school choice. The gold standard school choice bill would say that whether you are, um, uh, regardless of whether you are in a public school, a public charter school, and let me be clear, all charter schools in Missouri are public schools. You'll hear that from people that say, well, uh, you know, I, 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 I support public schools. I don't support charter schools. Well, charter schools are public schools. They're, they're, they, they are organized slightly differently, but they are a public school, period, end of story. Whether it's public schools, public charter schools, private schools, parochial schools, or home schools, the funding that comes from the state of Missouri should follow the student wherever that student is being educated, so long as the certain standards are met, then the money, ought to, ought to, the tax dollars ought to follow the student rather than trying to fund systems. Now, that's extraordinarily threatening to certain groups of individuals who are invested in keeping things the same. But if we're doing the same things over and over again and we continue to get the same poor outcomes, why do we continue to do them? You know, we, we see students that are continuing to drop in their seniors, they're continuing to drop in their ACT scores over the last decade. That's not just COVID. That's been going on for a while. What are we doing to change that? What are we doing to, to reverse the trend? And, 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 and you'll hear people say, well, we can't, we can't change it because we've always done it this way. We've got to go to a quick break, but, but listen to what I'm saying. We've always done it that way may be the dumbest reason to continue to do anything in any aspect of life, but certainly in the political realm. We've always done it this way. Well, that's just dumb. And again, I didn't get elected to be dumb. So we're going to take a look at school choice, specifically what we're talking about, what it, what the implications are. I'm going to deal with some of the objections and answer those as well. But first, we've got to go uh, to this break here on KSGF 104.1. Police in Springfield are investigating a double homicide that took place Wednesday night. The incident happened around 10.15 p.m. at a residence in the 2200 block of North Link Avenue. When police arrived, they found a male with multiple gunshot wounds outside of the home. Police then entered the home and found a female that had also been shot several times. She was pronounced dead at the scene. Names have not been released at this time. 
The below freezing temperatures led to a pipe burst at Monette High School over the weekend. School leaders will evaluate the damage and they believe that everything will be cleaned up and ready to welcome students back after Christmas break. And new U.S. policy as of January 5th will require negative COVID tests from all travelers into the country coming from China. Fox's Jessica Rosenthal reports. The CDC says in order to come to the U.S. from China, air travelers over the age of two will need to show a negative COVID test taken no more than two days before traveling. And this goes for people who go from China to a second country before then arriving here. The test must be a PCR test or self-administered antigen test overseen by a telehealth service or licensed provider. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. Sarah Myers, Springfield's Talk 1041. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Absolutely. Keep me in mind. <laughs> Keep me in your prayers as I take up this responsibility next Tuesday being sworn in. I, I tell you, when I first decided to run uh, for office, it's something I've wanted to do for an awfully long time. I've, I've been tangentially involved with southwest Missouri politics for 50 years. I mean, even when I was a kid, um, knocking on doors and going to fundraisers and and all that with my uh, with my folks. My mother dragged me into this a long time ago, and um, uh, I've I've always wanted to be able to do this. And now that I am, I retired last uh, year ago, uh, last December the seventeenth, and um, I retired specifically so that I could run for office. And uh, when I first decided to run, it was exciting, and I was looking at the at the at the newly drawn district, and I was like, "Man, this is a lot of work." And I, I have I bitten off more than I could chew. And then I get out there, and I'm knocking doors. And in the primary, I knock more doors than anybody anywhere, anytime. I mean, I personally, I I just tore it up on knocking doors and got out there and talked to people, and I won um, uh, in a in a narrow victory, but I did win. Um, and then, uh, you know. Now the realization is is that there are 37,700 plus or minus people in that district, and I am the only voice they have on the House floor. And the weight of responsibility that that entails weighs on me more and more. It's exciting. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I've got my office. I'm getting it fixed up. Um, I took my dad's desk. When he retired, he gave me his desk and uh, credenza, and I took those up to the to the house and uh, it's kind of cool that my old man's office furniture is in the House of Representatives. That's kind of cool, and um, you know, I've got I've got various things in there that have importance to me uh, that are there, and and I'm excited about getting everything lined out and sworn in. I've been sworn at, but I haven't been sworn in yet. All that's cool, but man, it's an awesome responsibility. I, I hear people I hear people tell me all the time, "Oh, you're going to have so much fun up here. We have so much fun." Well, that's great, but Jack, I didn't run to have fun. I ran to be a representative for the people of my district and for the people of the state of Missouri at large. And so, yeah, absolutely, keep me in your prayers. And and if you see me, if you see me, and you think I'm screwing something up, holler at me. I've been wrong before. I've seen me do it. So if 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 you see that I'm doing something you think is incorrect, holler at me. You may be right. 
I just ask that you also consider the possibility that you may not understand everything exactly the the way that it is, and there may be another view, but uh, absolutely, I want to hear from anybody and everybody. And thank you all who have been sending in the text messages of uh, congratulations and encouragement. I really do truly appreciate it. All right, so we're talking about school choice, and somebody texted in and said, okay, so what about, um, what defines a failing school? So you got school A, and it, it does pretty good, but school B has better outcomes, better scores. Should a student be able to transfer from school A to school B? Here's my, here's my response to that question, and it's a good question. Here's my response. If we believe in local control of education, and I do, it doesn't get any more local than parents deciding where their children should be edu- educated and how their children should be educated. Those kids do not belong to the state. They do not belong to the county or the city or the school district. Those children belong to their parents. And any governmental entity that would suggest otherwise is way out of line. It's just that simple. And we don't like to think of schools as being governmental entities, but let me assure you, they are. They are they are operated under the auspices of a school board, which are individuals who are who have been elected by the populace to represent them on the school board. And we've got some really good school board members on there now. We need a couple more, <laughs> but we've got some really good ones on there. And um, uh, Steve McCoskey is a friend of mine. Uh, and and he he is he is an outstanding school board member already, and I anticipate that he'll do nothing but get better and better as he continues on in that effort. But they are elected by the people for the purpose of making sure that the school districts are um, doing the job that they are designed to do. Those school districts are governmental entities supported entirely by tax dollars or almost entirely, I'm sure they get donations as well, but almost entirely by tax dollars. And as a governmental entity, they are assigned a task that they are to perform utilizing those tax dollars underneath the guidance of our elected representatives. Every single school district in the the country is a governmental entity, a political subdivision, and they have a duty and a responsibility to fulfill the uh, constitutionally mandated task that they have been given. And if and when they fail to do that, the taxpayers and parents have a right, and some would argue, I being one of them, an obligation to stand up and say, enough of this, we're going to fix this now. Because that's what we do with government. We just don't think of schools as being government because of whatever, you know, biases we have in our own minds. It's the government, and we have to hold them accountable. we got to take another quick break. I'm going to be talking about that uh, on the other side, uh, so please come back and join us here on KSGF 1041. Springfield's Talk 1041 is always just an app away. Download the KSGF app and listen live or catch what you missed on KSGF Mornings with Nick. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. So we're talking about school choice, and the question was, you know, what about, you know, when should students be able to transfer from one school to another? Well, okay, so 
my answer to that was whenever the parents think it's appropriate. Frankly, a school doesn't have to be failing in MAP scores or any other measure, but if a parent says, my child's being bullied and they're not doing anything about it, so I want my kid to transfer out of that school and go to another school or to a private school or parochial school, or I'm going to bring them home and homeschool them, they have the right to do that. No parent should have to justify why they believe as they do when it comes to their own kids. I mean, it's just it's, it's a ludicrous proposition that have, has been put upon us that there has to be a, a an acceptable reason before we challenge government in any way. That that's that's not what liberty is all about. Liberty. The whole point of liberty is is that we don't live our lives uh, by the leave of governance. Government is a tool. It's a servant. Government is uh, a, a way in which we are able to accomplish collectively what we could not accomplish individually. So when government fails, when government fails to overcome uh, the obstacles that uh, are put before it in the in the system that we you know we've assigned them a task, when government fails for whatever reason, your fault, his fault, her fault, nobody's fault. Difference does it make? If it's not working, the parent has the right to pull their kid. The question is, what about the tax dollars that follow that educational effort? Now, there have been individuals that say, look, we need the tax dollars in the public schools. Uh, we need the uh, 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 we need the tax dollars in the public schools. And so, therefore, we can't allow you to take your tax dollars somewhere else very, very quickly. Uh, and uh, we got Lisa on the phone. I'm going to go to her in just a second, but I, I need to say this first. So I was a city administrator, right? City management was my career. If somebody came up to me and said in City Hall and they said, hey, listen, the potholes are never filled. The cops don't answer 911. The fire department refuses to put out the fire. So we're leaving. We're going to go to another community. If I looked in, in the face and I said, hey, you know, I'm really sorry about all that. Um but we depend on your tax dollars here, so we can't allow you to move. Can, can can you imagine the outrage? Can you imagine the arrogance that that a city administrator would need to be able to say something that like that? And yet, that's what school districts are saying to students and their parents: that we we can't do without your tax dollars, so we can't let you have liberty in deciding where your where and how your children are going to be educated. Oh, for crying out loud, what, have we lost our collective minds? Apparently so. All right, so Lisa, uh, you're on KSGF. Good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm just really well. How about yourself? Good. I'm well. Um, so I, I used to work at a school district, and I won't say the district. It was a small district. I had two kids, K-12, small-knit Oh, Lisa, you're cutting out on us. Yeah. You're cutting out on us, Lisa. Are you, are you still there? No. Are you there? Yep, 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 yep. Now we're good. Okay. All right. Anyway, small-knit community. Everybody knows everybody. You know, um, like three generations of kids went to school there, that kind of thing. Yep. The, the problem was... When I first arrived at that district, our MAP scores were in the tank. I mean, 
in the tank to the point where Desi was getting ready to come in and take over. The problem was twofold. Number one, you were always doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result like you were speaking to earlier. The second problem was 90, well, well, we had a 98, 95, somewhere in that direction uh, for in reduced rate. Yeah. But the problem was probably 65 to 70% of the kids that were in the district had a learning disability of some kind. Right. Um, we were special ed, di- varying different levels. But when it comes to MAP scores, those kids are not offered the same accommodations that they are given in the classroom they aren't offered those same accommodations when they take the test. So what would happen is they would do great in the classrooms because they either had an aid with them or this or that or whatever. The questions were read to them. Um, you know, they were, you know, given multiple choice, whatever the case may be. But when it came to the test, they weren't, they weren't allowed those same things. So they would, in our collective minds, they would fail the test. Right. And I agree with uh, with the tax dollars following the kid, but under that guise, what would have happened is all of the kids who did really well, scored proficient and advanced on the MAP scores, would have taken their tax dollars and went to the neighboring district, and you would have left all of the special ed kids, so to speak, yeah, in the district. Yeah, I hear you, and and that's those are those are the difficulties, Lisa. I I uh, appreciate you calling in. Uh, we are right up against a break, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to answer what you're talking about, one of the objections to the principal. Uh, although I know you don't have a problem with it personally, but I'm going to address that on the other side of the break uh, when we come back uh, with the news and everything. So be listening in. Thank you so much for calling in, and uh, we will uh, pick that up here at the other side of the break here on KSGF 104.1. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. KTTS first alert forecast brought to you by St. Clair of the Ozarks. Today we're mostly cloudy, breezy with gusty winds around high of 66. Tonight, mostly cloudy, a low of 37. Friday to kick off your weekend will be mostly cloudy, high of 49. Saturday, mostly sunny, high of 57. On New Year's Day, mostly sunny, high of 61. And then Monday to start your work week, cloudy with a chance of showers, high of 61. Darren, back to you. All right, thanks. Um, So uh, Lisa had called in before the break and um, appreciate the call. And and we've gotten other questions and comments on the text line as well, and keep those coming in. So the the question that Lisa asked uh, specifically was, so if you have a school uh, district where you have uh, they're struggling in various ways and parents pull their children out to go elsewhere, then you tend to leave behind students who don't have that parental support and they also happen to be the ones that struggle the most. And then when you throw in special needs on top of that, it's really easy for a school district to be saddled with uh, the task of of trying to take those individuals who are struggling the most and elevate them. All right. I I get it. That that is entirely a possibility. 
And I don't mean to be flippant when I say what I'm about to say. I don't mean it to be uh, disrespectful to anybody or anything. But how is that changed by making sure that those students who could get a better education elsewhere are trapped and not allowed to do so? How's that changed? I mean, I hear people say, if you support school choice, you're anti-public schools and you're trying to defund public schools. Uh, when they tell me that, I just, I, I, my head explodes. You're trying to defund public schools by allowing individuals to have choice. First of all, government shouldn't allow people to have choice. People have choice. <laughs> it's called liberty. We're citizens. We are taxpayers. We are parents. We have the right to determine the, the, the educational pattern for our own children. So it's not a question of allowance. But when people say you're defunding schools or you're trying to destroy public education, here's I, I have begun to ask this question, and it's two parts. So the first question I ask is, okay, if parents are at liberty and can move their students from one school to another and the tax dollars follow the student rather than fund the systems. If that were true, what is it about your school district that you know, apparently, because you're worried about it, what is it about your school district that you know will cause parents to leave in mass if they're given the opportunity to do so? I have never gotten an answer to that question. The second part of the question is, and if you do know that, that there is a, a tremendous deficiency, why haven't you fixed it yet? <laughs> what exactly are you waiting on? So I know Lisa doesn't work for the school district any longer, and, I, and, and she didn't imply that she was you know, responsible for the school's uh, situation. Her concern is real. I totally get that. And there will be schools that are going to see students leave. But not everybody is, is wanting to leave their school district. I had another text uh, line came in and said, well, what about the transportation issue? Who's responsible for that? Well, parents are. If you don't want to have to get your kids to school and you want a school bus to come pick up your kid, and that's more important to you than transferring them from one school to the other, well, then have them out there at the bus stop and they'll go to school. And and that's your choice. As a parent, you are at liberty to decide, do I want them to go to the public school or do I want them to go to a private school? And if they, if they go to a private school, I may have to take up an increased burden and get them there. Okay, maybe I don't want to do that. Well, then that's your, but that's your choice. My My point is that nobody, no governmental entity should take that choice away from you. That, that's not how things are supposed to work in a free society. So, yes, there are going to be schools that are going to lose students because they are underperforming for those students' needs in some way. And parents will have the right to say, we want them to go here. Now, I've talked to some of the superintendents in my district. I have four different schools. And uh, one superintendent told me something that I think was really interesting. He was dead set against school choice, but not because he was afraid his school district would, would suffer loss. He was afraid of being overrun. 
<laughs> he was like, oh, we've got a great school district here, and I'm afraid other uh, communities, other parents in other communities are going to want to come here to our school district, and we just simply don't have the room for them. Well, you you have to write into the bill itself that no school would be required to, you know, build new buildings. And if they can't take students, they can't take students. That's just a, that's the nature of reality. But no child should be trapped in a underperforming situation, whether it's the school district proper, um, the, the school itself or this particular child's needs. No student should be trapped in an underperforming situation simply because of their zip code. It's just that just is that clear. We've got to take another quick break. We're going to come back, continue to talk about this. I'm going to continue to answer some of the objections that have been brought before me and um, get your input as well. 447-5743 here on KSGF 1041. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. All right, we are back on topic here of school choice and what that means for the state of Missouri and what it means to parents and students. And, uh, you know, it's only the future we're talking about, so I guess it's kind of an important concept. Um, and, and we're talking about some of the objections. So one, one of the things that we hear from people is, um, okay, so the, the, we're going to fund students rather than systems. We don't, you hear people say, we can't have tax dollars going to private schools or parochial schools. You know, we've got to have that separation of church and state. We've got it, which is a total misuse of the phrase. We've also got to have that uh, distinction between private and public. And private uh, institutions cannot be funded by public dollars. Public dollars are for public schools. And that's, that's, that's very clearly stated by individuals. Okay, let's think about that for just a half a second. Are there any public dollars that go to private in- institutions of education? I don't know. Have you heard of Drury before? Because that's a private college. But you can use the Pell Grant there. You can use the GI Bill there, and those are tax dollar funded institutions that are used for educational purposes. Now, it's at the university level, the college level, the trade level, but why do we accept that as an opportunity and and not complain about that when it's at the university higher education level, but we refuse to see it as a possibility in K-12? through It makes no sense. And uh, the religious institutions, have you heard of Evangel? How about SBU? Those institutions are accepted of the Pell Grants and 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 uh, and the GI Bill, but it's not just at the higher education level. We also have, uh, let's see, Medicaid, uh, Section Eight, WIC. Those are utilized by private institutions in the K through twelve as well. Those are tax dollars. They say, well, that's for the welfare of the child. That's not for the educational purposes itself. Well, who made that distinction? Where where do you find that? When you start talking about tax dollars, tax dollars are sacrosanct to me. When it comes to spending money, I am tighter than bark on a tree when it comes to spending private uh, public dollars. But it's supposed to be spent in a way that accomplishes the task. And if a governmental entity is not accomplishing the task at hand, something needs to change. And frankly, competition always elevates everyone's game. Always. But even if it didn't, the parents still have the right to have their children educated the way that they see fit. Tax dollars 
should be following the students, not funding systems, especially if a system is failing in some way. Now, when somebody asked about transportation, transportation is a big deal. And that's why a lot of people, frankly, are not going to transfer their kids out of a public school into a private school because they don't have transportation opportunities or they choose not to have transportation provided by their themselves. And that's their choice. That's their right. And, you know, I can't I can't solve every facet of everybody's problems, nor should I be able to, because any government that can is too powerful, period. The number of people who are going to transfer is a small number across the board. There will be some schools that are going to see tremendous losses because they're failing. There will be other schools that are going to see increases in students because they're successful. How's that how's how is that a bad thing unless the goal is to simply see school districts as employment agencies? I mean, if the goal is to see the school district as an employment agency, then I totally get why people are upset because they might have to rethink how things are done. They might have to reallocate their assets. They might have to say, you know what, we can't have all these people hired. And before you start talking about teachers, I'm not even talking about teachers. So over the last 20 years, the population of students in public schools across the United States have increased by 8% over the last 20 years. The number of teachers in public schools across the United States have also increased by 8%. So it's, it's kept pace. The number of principals and vice principals over the same period, 37% increase. The number of administrative staff over the same period, 88%. Those are also the jobs that pay the most have the best benefits. You want to talk about fiduciary responsibility and making sure the money gets to the classroom and the teachers. How about we start there? You've got organizations that have been allowed over the last 20 years to become so top-heavy they're about to topple over, and yet we're told we're supposed to prop them up continuously and not make those adjustments. Well, I'm sorry. The taxpayers are not having it. And the parents are not going to allow their children to be the ones who have to suffer the consequences of bad administrative policy by a governmental agency. It's just that simple. Now, not all school districts are doing that. There are some that are fantastic and are wildly successful. But there are others that are collapsing over their own weight of incompetence. And sometimes you just have to get out of the way and let that sucker fall. Because they will not correct it. We're going to talk a little bit more about this when we come back uh, uh, after the break. Uh, this is Darren Chapel filling in for Nick Reed here on KSGF 104.1. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 104.1. All right, so we are back here on KSGF 104.1. This is uh, the Nick Reed show, but Nick Reed's not here because he's on vacation. 
and um, I am uh, filling in for him. Again, my name is Darren Chapel, and I'm the representative-elect for the 137th District here in Greene County, Southern Springfield, Eastern Greene County, and uh, I'll be sworn into office on January 4th, which is just next Tuesday, and I am stoked. I'm ready to get to work on behalf of the state and specifically my district and my constituents. But what we do in the House impacts everybody uh, for good or for ill. And so we're talking about school choice. Now, um, one of the things that people will bring up and they'll say, okay, so if you expand tax dollars to fund students rather than systems and you increase taxes, you being used uh, tax dollars being used to fund all the kids in private and, and homeschool, you know, it's a tremendous amount of money and it is. So there are roughly 200,000 kids in the state of Missouri that are in private school and that are homeschooled uh, combined. And, you know, there'll be a lot of private schools that just simply don't want to jump through the hoops to become eligible to receive funding from the state. There'll be a ton of homeschool parents that say, listen, we don't want any ties to the state whatsoever. We don't want to follow your, your basic rules. So you can keep your money that that's going to happen, but let's just say it's half hundred thousand kids are now, if this gold standard bill were to go through a hundred thousand kids are now going to be funded that previously were not, well, it's about $700 million. And, you know, oh, for crying out loud, $700 million is a huge amount of money. Well, it's about 8% more than Desi's budget is now, uh, which is still a tremendous amount of money. Now, like I said, when it comes to spending tax dollars, I'm tighter than bark on a tree. But here's the thing that people don't realize, don't take into consideration. The state of Missouri is already on the hook for that now. The fact that parents have taken their kids out of public schools and have put them into private or parochial or homeschool situations, the state doesn't have to spend money on them as it is. But if they all came back to public schools tomorrow, we're still on the hook. $6,375 per year per student, we're still on that hook. So we're not, we're not excused from the obligation of the state to fund the educational processes of these students. We're not excused. We're just not being charged what we are responsible for because these parents have made these decisions. So the question then becomes, should we be funding that so that more parents can make that decision and have their children educated to the best way possible? Well, I believe yes. I believe that that is exactly what we ought to do. Now, you'll hear people say, well, if you're willing to spend $700 million more, why not just give it to the schools that currently exist, and then they'll get better? Well, first of all, we've thrown money at the issue for how long, and, and it hasn't gotten better. And again, it's because of this top-heavy mentality that so many school districts seem to have. Crying out loud, we're hiring a new people left and right that are going to, you know, this this new this new wokest mindset, you know, and we're gonna we're gonna hire people to keep us woke. What in the world? What 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 happened to teaching the kids how to add and subtract and multiply and divide and read and write and and learn history? Warts and all. Tell us all about how America has done stupid things in the past and awful horrible things to certain people. I'm all about it. 
but do it from a historically accurate basis, not here's my political belief wrapped up so that you can become indoctrinated rather than educated. Let's just teach these kids. How 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 is that a bad idea? Now, you've got... I'm just going to address this really quickly, and then we'll come back after the break, and I'll and I'll expand on it just a little bit more. But you you've got these memes on online. Facebook is is wretched, only to be outdone by Twitter. Um, and and you've got these ideas that Missouri is is failing to spend enough money on our school system because we are dead last in our per pupil expenditures of all the states, and we're depending on which study you're looking at, we're either 49th or 50th on minimum teacher salaries. And the problem with education in Missouri is that we just don't spend enough money on it. Okay, I'm going to address both of those issues (laughs) when we come back after the top of the hour. But let me just say this. That's not right. The facts are correct, but it's the context that matters. Oddly enough, context matters. Everything is a context and context is everything. All right, so this is Darren Chapel filling in for Nick Reed here on KSGF 1041. 